Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Welcome to the Chronicles of Nannia, a nanny resource podcast made for nannies by me, a nanny. I am your host, Martha Tyler, and this week we are going to be talking about water safety as we heat up for the summer. Um, And to do that, I have brought on Carrie Bland. Hello, Carrie. Hi, Martha. How are you? I'm doing well. How are you? Good. Just trying to, you know, go day at a time with COVID. Yes. Yes. So just to say that we are probably, as we go through water safety, we're going to try to answer the questions outside of COVID, and then we will, we will probably talk about social distancing a little bit, just because it's on our minds, I'm sure. Um, but I would love for this episode <laughs> to represent beyond this point in our history. Regular summer fun. Yeah, regular summer fun. So I just, I did want to put that disclaimer on it of like, I realized that maybe this summer for a lot of families, a lot of this won't be as um, important because we might not be able to go to pools and stuff, but um, still backwater, backyard water fun can happen. Um, and all that good stuff. But before we talk about water safety, I would love to hear your nanny journey. Carrie, how did you become a nanny? Um, I've been a professional nanny for almost 10 years now. I kind of stumbled into it. I always grew up working with kids, babysitting, volunteering at my dance studio. Um, I was a swim coach for the eight and under group. And so hence the water safety. Yeah. Um, And I had gone to college for a little bit and couldn't figure out where I wanted to go with it. And um, I found a nanny school that was in my area in Cleveland, Ohio at the time. And uh, it was kind of like a trade school program. So it was three months and um, they did psychology and um, nutrition and infant development and all kinds of classes, creative play, music, and uh, they had a placement program. And so that's how I got my first job. Um, I've been with three families full time and um, three families over 10 years. That's really great. Yeah. um, The first one I was with for a year, she was older. um, So it was a shorter term position, but my, uh, my second family um, I was with for 
five and a half years and um, that was great. I was with the, the oldest one from the time he was a year and a half to like six and uh, there were twin girls born. So they were my first set of twins. And um, I I started with twins. I have twins now with my current family. And uh, I moved to Indiana uh, with my husband and found my new family. And so now I have two boys and two girls Um, and the girls are twins. So my second set. Oh, I love that. That's, That's such a good nanny journey. Like I, I love how many people, when I ask like, what was your nanny journey? How many people are like, I stumbled into it. Cause that's me too. I didn't even think that it was like a career, you yeah. know, then, and then in the past, like three years or so, um, you know, I've kind of started networking more and, you know, found like all these different Facebook groups, like the different associations, other different, uh, training programs and certifications and things and whatnot. So, so now that I know about all that, like, looking back on it. Um, I don't know if I necessarily would have gone to the school. Um, but I mean, it it was beneficial, but I feel like I could have done the certifications quicker, you know? Um, but it it was nice because I met some girlfriends who are still, you know, still close with. And, uh, and like I said, they had a placement program. That's how I found my first two families. So, um, I'm forever grateful for that because they're still in my life. And, um, my old kids, the second family, they were uh, in my wedding. So that's so wonderful. I love that. Um, yeah, when we, right before we started recording, I was telling Carrie that I was a little late to this call because I was talking with an old nanny kid. It's wonderful when they're able to stay in your lives. Um, Uh yeah, she has her own phone now because she's old enough to. And, uh, she texted me and was like, can we talk? I miss you like oh I love it my first girl was a preteen when I was with her and she's turning 21 this summer that's wild I know <laughs> I was hoping to take her out but I don't know we'll see yeah, <laughs> we yeah. see each other yeah it's hard but maybe you could like we'll FaceTime yeah you'll FaceTime her we'll celebrate via yeah. video like everybody does now <laughs> yes exactly well let's talk about water safety um so water is such a fun part of summer for most families um but when we're setting up like water play for kids how can we help keep them safe which i know is a really general question but just to get into it it is i mean i think a lot of about um god cut that out (laughs) (laughs) will do a lot of what is important with setting up the water play and safety is having them be comfortable with it. Um, so, I mean, that starts as early as playing in the bathtub, um, having a water table in the home, or even just getting a stool and having them play in the sink. Mm-hmm. Um, Doing I mean, that, but, uh, the toy washing station. I love that. I love getting like painting with toys or doing the jello molds and digging the toys out and then you wash them off. So you get a whole slew of activities with that. Um, so good. Doing that is obviously not sticking their face in the water and having them be comfortable with that, but it's still a sensory activity and you can do it with, um, I used to do it with 
my current girls, um, last winter when they were teeny, I'd bring snow in, in a little bucket and, you know, they stuck their hands in it and it was cold and it was slushy and it was only for a couple minutes cause they had tiny fingers, but, um, you know, but then we went and we took a warm bath and we played in the bathtub and, um, so yeah, I mean, really just, uh, kind of opening it up from the beginning to, to have them be comfortable around it is, is important. Yeah. Yeah. I completely agree because if they're not comfortable, then by like recoiling from it or being scared of it, it's, um, it's going to make for less safety all around for everyone, I think. So, and also, so you know how your child is around water. Um, and the more you talk about really anything, the better it is. So, and that's, and that's important too, like for you to be comfortable. I mean, if you're not, then don't do things where the child will recognize that. Right. Um, I know was not comfortable around the water and didn't grow up learning to swim. Um, they could save themselves, but they weren't super comfortable in the water. And so their child, um, wasn't comfortable in the water as a toddler and ended up having to do, instead of regular swim lessons, it was more of a water therapy mm-hmm. technique, which I had never really been introduced to because I grew up in the water and swimming and, you know, was always comfortable. And when I coached swimming, I, the kids were there to join swim team. And so I kind of just, I was like, I'm, everybody's going in on the first day. I'm going to throw you in. If you sink, I'll get you kind of thing, which, you know, because they were there for swim team. But, um, so I had never been open to the water therapy or been introduced to that before. And, uh, that was really kind of an eye opening experience. Um, just doing the, playing with toys and holding them in the water and just splashing and, you know. Yeah. I'm really interested in that now too. Going back to the basics for a three-year-old, what you would normally do with a six month old. Right. Yeah. Yeah. That's a really good point of like knowing your own comfort with water. And if you're not comfortable, potentially, I know we've talked on this podcast before about modeling that for the child of like, you know what? I realized I'm not super comfortable around water. So I started taking lessons or like, so I did these things to help myself get more comfortable. And talking about that with the kid can be so helpful for the kid to see not only that grownups get scared too. And like, these are the ways that grownups go about helping themselves feel less scared. Um, that's super useful. And then also as you learn more about the water, you can tell them what you're learning. Right. So, um, how deep is deep enough that a child needs supervision around water? I mean, really only a couple inches. I mean, you look at anything on the internet and, uh, you know, um, American Red Cross or lifeguards or, you know, anybody, they all say, uh, you know, just a couple inches, like in the bathtub or in a kiddie pool. Um, and that has to go with, uh, you know, making sure the water play is safe. Like as soon as you're done with the bath, you have to drain it, you know, like dry the kids off. Pull, I mean, pull, I pull the plug before I get the kids out normally mm-hmm. and I take them out. So that way, um, the water's gone when they're dry in case they slip away from me because slippery, you know, yeah. <laughs> little buggers. 
Um, kiddie pools, you know, I mean, those are really easy to trip into and fall into if some, like, you know, one-year-old isn't super secure with their toddling around. Yeah. Um, even, even water tables, I mean, depending upon the height of it, but I mean, that's why they have locks on toilets and things too, because kids right. fall on them. Um, so yeah, I mean, it really only takes a couple inches. Yeah, it does. And when I was researching for this episode, it, it talked a lot about, um, in the, the sites that I was looking at it, they talked a lot about how like, even like buckets in your backyard <laughs> and things like that, which also good to drain for mosquitoes too. So like you're killing two birds with one stone. Um, and, but just thinking about as you like move through the space that you nanny in, like going through with that lens on of like, okay, where is standing water in this house? Um, is very, is a very, very helpful exercise. Um, and I, mean, I the fountains, if there was a yeah. fountain yard or if you're at the park, obviously, and there's a pond or, you know, something like that. I mean, yeah, you always watching. Yeah. And I think that it's something that, um, it's easy to get lost in the hustle and bustle of nannying um, mm -hmm. or just childcare in general. Um, so just thinking about that. Um, so yeah, a lot of children develop a fear of water and we kind of touched on, you know, if the caregiver is afraid of water, that can be transferred. Um, but there is also just a natural fear of water. Children are like, I can't, breathe in this and that's uncomfortable sometimes so how can you help children not be scared of water so focusing on kids not being scared in water yeah. um you know going back to the basics starting when they're little starting when they're babies making sure that they have fun supervised fun baths you know from the get-go and they have their secure little water seats for when they need them and then when the time is right and you always need to be there um within like arm's reach is what they say. Yeah. Sitting right next to the tub essentially. <laughs> um, but you know, have them kicking on their belly and blowing bubbles in the bathtub and you know, trying to get them used to that in the beginning. Um, if they didn't have that opportunity to Play. grow in that area or you know, <laughs> um, learn about water, you know, fun. Um, and they're toddlers and they're afraid of it or they're cautious of it or they learned that from an adult or an older sibling or, you know, really anything. Um, doing the, uh, having them in the water with you and, you know, playing with toys, the little squirt toys and um, blowing bubbles in the pool is fun. And really just anything that you can get them like touching or in the water, not like full submersion or anything right away. Um, but, you know, just like cautious, fun play. Um, yeah. And I do, I completely agree about like, like so many areas of nannying that play being the really important part. So just thinking about with water that there, you just have to search a bit more to have opportunities for play. So it has to be more supervised. It has to be more set up things like that. Whereas, you know, when we have them independently play, not with water, we can kind of like check out and that's just not true <laughs> with water. 
And it's a hard line to kind of tiptoe around because like you want the water to be a fun place to be and everything, but you need to respect it because it is, it is a danger. Yeah. And trying to teach, you know, my, my almost two year old nanny kids that right now, um, which I'm sure we'll get to, but they have a pool at their house, which I'm very thankful for because of this current situation with the summer. Yes. Um, but, and it has a cover on it, which, you know, we'll get to that stuff too. But, um, you know, when, if we're walking around it, you know, we hold hands and, you know, stay away from the edge and just like constantly repeating that mm-hmm. over and over and over and over and over again. But then like when it's time to go in, they have so much fun, you know, but just, it's trying to teach them caution mm-hmm. at the same time. Yeah. And I, I sometimes think of it kind of like cooking on the stove or in the oven. Yes. Of like, it can be so fun, but we also have to like really respect (laughs) the oven and the, and the stovetop of like, are they hot? And just talking about that is part of that process. But I think thinking of it like on that level is helpful because it needs that level of supervision. Right. Um, There's not independent play in water, you know, like ever, ever, ever. Um, Or independent play with water nearby. (laughs) Right. Um, So just thinking of it that way has helped me kind of wrap my mind around it of like, it's kind of like a giant oven. What would I do? you know that is fair I never thought about it like that but I like that analogy yeah of just like because the baking with kids is like so fun but yeah right really be on it um so and then on the other hand some kids are like not afraid of water at all they're like run cannibal um splashing around so so we've kind of touched on, but what are some other strategies for helping them understand how to keep themselves safe, but without tipping it too far of like, now they don't want to go anywhere near the water. It's balanced. Right. I mean, really just trying to um, instill in them and focus on, which is harder for toddlers, but my, uh, my other kids that are in my current nanny family, they're six and nine. And, um, so they're about the age where they get it, you know, and, um, obviously they're never like far away from me, but we've gone on trips where, um, we were in California. So the Pacific ocean, you know, and, you know, right. big bodies of water, scary things. Um, yeah. but anyways, you always swim in a safe place is one of them. You know, I mean, right. um, if the waves are too big or, you know, I mean, just don't go jump in a pond or, you know, something where you don't know or, or, or specifically, um, like don't jump in somewhere. And this is a lot of time for older people, not necessarily kids, but, um, you know, jumping in where there could be rocks kind of thing. Um, so always swim in a safe place and always swim with an adult. Um, you know, I mean, there's sometimes where like my six and nine year old, they're pretty comfortable in the water. So I'll sit on the edge and, you know, be there with them. But I mean, I'm right there. Like I'm never inside the house or, you know, whatever. And that's, and that's another thing, um, is you can't trust children to supervise other children. Right. Like I would never have the nine-year-old watch the six-year-old. Right. Like six-year-old can hold his own, but 
the nine-year-old could get a cramp or, you know, I mean, yeah, any, anything could ever, ever happen, you know, so there always needs to be an adult present, always swim in a safe place. And, uh, the, um, the toddler, the brave toddlers, um, you know, if, uh, if they can do it, if they're at that point where they can float over, you know, help themselves a little bit, you know, if you fall in, you float, you breathe, you relax, like somebody will come find you, you know, but like hold your back and just float there. Um, I had a scary, uh, scary moment with, uh, one of my nanny kids when, um, somebody else was watching them. I actually wasn't on duty, but I heard about it after the fact. And, uh, one of them fell in and I mean, it was like a second that somebody looked away and then somebody looked back and, you know, everything was fine, but you always, especially even if like you have to take a break or like you have to go inside for something, like somebody else has to come outside. Yes. Yes. That is, I have found, um, when talking to kids about water, cause in, in Chicago, we don't have like quite as many private pools, I think, as other places in the country. Um, I mean, certainly there are houses that have private pools here, but it's just not as common. Um, and so I, I, in talking to kids about water, I have used Moana a lot because, yeah. you know, the water is kind of like a character. So we talk about how we have to respect the water and that water can sometimes be tricky and like play little tricks on us. And so we just have to really respect the water and that we need an adult around anytime we're near the water, um, things like that. And so, and putting it in Moana terms (laughs) seems to help make it, um, relatable. And yeah, they're like, Oh, I have seen that. I -hmm. understand that the water high fives Moana. I get it. Um, so, so yeah, yeah, I have found that movie to be particularly helpful with the water situation, um, and talking about it. But if you are in a place that, um, private pools are more common, or you were saying that, um, your family does have a private pool, what do nannies need to know to keep everyone safe in that house? Um, well, hopefully the parents already have some safety measures for the pool, considering it's their house. But if they don't, some things to suggest <laughs> would be, um, you know, if it's an above ground pool the and it doesn't have a deck around it or anything, like the stepladder always has to come out as soon as you're done swimming in it. Um, and actually, when I was growing up, there was always a little bucket to dip our feet in to get the grass off. If you have toddlers, empty that, you know, um, and make sure the ladder is away from the pool or in the shed or wherever it needs to go. Um, if there's a gate, the gates need locked. If there's a cover, it needs to be covered when you're not in the pool. Um, you know, I mean, any sort of boundary that is available or there needs to be locked, covered, guarded, whatever, because there's neighbor kids too. And, you know, I mean, you just, you literally never know. So, um, you know, you turn your eye for a second. It can, it can be really scary. And most people who own their own pool 
know like the liabilities and things like that. And so they, most families have already put it in place. But if you do go into a home and that family hasn't and are potentially new parents, you know, Uh um, just helping inform them of, we need some safety measures here um, around the pool um, is, is super helpful. (laughs) Um, I completely agree. And then also I, I loved what you said earlier about like, if you have to go inside for any reason, like as a nanny before COVID-19, we were, we're often alone. So it's like, if you need to go inside to use the restroom or to like grab water or sunscreen or whatever, (laughs) everybody's got to get out of the pool. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so just planning for that in your brain. is is important um yeah so now we're gonna talk more about some of the like further the like worst case scenario stuff so i just want to warn listeners you know yourself if this is a hard subject for you for any reason take care of yourself um maybe don't listen to the rest of this episode um but uh, I just wanted to throw that out there. If you, if you have, um, experience with any sort of drowning, this might be a hard part of the episode for you. So what does drowning look and sound like? Because I think a lot of people have this impression that it's loud and it's splashy and it takes a while. Right. Right. So I, um, So just a quick little background, I guess I should have done in the beginning, but I grew up as a competitive swimmer and um, then I coached on the swim team and I was also a lifeguard for a couple of my different cities around me over four or five summers. Um, So I definitely have jumped in many a times to save people, not just during the swim test for the deep end, um, which that one you figured you were going in at least a couple times anyways. Yeah. But um yeah, the majority of the people who needed help were kind of just like bobs floating in the water. Um, So a lot of times their um, mouth is going to be underwater, but like you can see their eyes and they're kind of looking around and they bob up and down because like they're not flailing their arms. So like their, um, their body is just kind of buoyant right there for a second. Yeah. when if their mouth comes above the water, they have to take a gulp of air to keep them floating and they can't, they don't have time to yell. Um, and because their arms are like trying to keep them where they are, they're not flailing their arms either. So, I mean, there's a reason why like, you know, lifeguards are, you know, always looking at the community pool or, you know, should be, um, you know, scanning the pool, you know, constantly or the, the walking lifeguards who go around to, you know, try to catch, um, the, the hidden corners or, you know, things like that. But, um, and, and I mean, that's the thing with the, uh, the, the deep water or whatever, you know, I mean, that happened in, in two inches, like, you know, for, for a little person. Um, right. so yeah. yeah and it's I, not, it's, I, I love your point about how, because they don't have air yelling, isn't an option for them. So right. I think a lot of people have this impression that 
a kid would yell for you. Right. Um, or splash or whatever. And it, um, it, yeah, it usually looks like bobbing and then eventually sinking. And it's very quiet. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and it takes 20 to 60 seconds. Mm -hmm. So just keeping that in mind that it's not a big window at all, um, Mm -hmm. to, to notice and get to them. So that to be said of like in the pool and around the pool is not a time to be on our phones. It's not a time to be reading a book. It's not a time, like if you are watching children in a pool, you have to have eyes on them. Because you said it before, it's not independent swimming. Right. You know, it's not, you can't independent play in the water. Right. You know, we can't look at our phones or read a book or catch up on the week's plans or plan a lunch or anything when they're in the pool. Like that's for playing with toys or nap time or, you know, movie time if it's a rainy day or something, you know, but, but yeah, when you're out in the pool or on a work trip on the beach, or if you live near a beach or, um, you know, bathtubs. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, yeah. Bathtubs. Yeah. Don't be, don't be on your phone in the, when the kids are in the bathtub either. That's a good right, point. Right. I mean, yeah. take a video of them cause they're cute, but don't be texting yeah. everybody, right. you know? <laughs> right. Exactly. But yeah, I, um, and just to give listeners a little bit of background about me too, is, um, I was, I did a little bit of competitive swimming, but then I switched over to synchronized swimming. My mom did. Really? Yeah, I loved it. She always liked to give me competitive swimming tips as a synchro, though. So that was... And that doesn't work. (laughs) That does not work. Right. Um, (laughs) Because they're very, very different sports. Um, And so, yeah, I did synchronized swimming for five or six years. um, And then when... I moved up here, one of my jobs was at a swim school. Um, So I taught little littles, like babies and up to five-year-olds how to swim at a swim school and was a lifeguard there too. So both of us have pretty good extensive knowledge of (laughs) um, water safety, which is great. Um, And yeah, and I love the water. What age do you recommend teaching a kid to swim? Or is there an age? Is it more of like an access thing? I mean, I definitely think that access and financial financials play a huge part in that. Yes. Um, I mean, if you can, you know, if you have a pool or a community pool or something and you have a, a baby who is, I don't know, six to eight months, or even if you just get a kiddie pool and you sit in the kiddie pool with them, Water play at that age is the most important thing just for sensory and splashing and the toys and, um, you know, things like that. Um, swimming lessons and like learning to swim. I prefer to not start that until like age one or like whatever their first summer is, like whether they're one, one and a half, you know, that kind of thing. Just mostly because if you're doing swimming lessons in the winter, they're tiny and they're cold and they're wet and then you have to dry everybody off and it's just, it's too much of a hassle in my opinion. So, um, I prefer to start that like their first toddler summer, Mm -hmm. um, for my past nanny kids. That's when I've always started. Um, and I, I've done lessons with them. 
Um, but then I also take them places because um, they've been twins who I've, right. you know, had to teach. And it's a little more difficult when there's two of them. Um, my, my current kids, the, the older two, um, have a, had a good base of swimming. So I didn't like right. need to teach them or supervise them as much. You know, obviously, like I said, I'm in the yeah. pool or edge with them, but you know, the girls, they're, they're going under if I'm not there. So, um, so that requires a little more work, but, um, yeah, yeah. I agree that younger than toddler done, like younger than a year to a year and a half, it's more sensory. Like if, Mm -hmm. if you want to get in a pool and like play around, that's great. And I often have parents, you know, ask me, for babies of like, we want to be able to take them on vacation and enjoy our time. And I'm like, then you got to get them in a pool. Like that can't be there. If you want to have a good time, that cannot be their first time. Right. <laughs> in a pool is usually they my advice. Too. So <laughs> yeah. yeah, they're never happy. Right. So, um, but yeah, I, but even at the swim school that I taught at, which I actually will name because I really respect them a lot. Um, it's goldfish swim school. Okay. I've Um, heard things about them. Yes. And I, I don't love giving out free advertising, but they are, they're very good and they train their staff and lifeguards really, really well. Um, and so I would recommend them and I, they keep their pool really clean for like having hundreds of children in there every day. Mm. Like you guys do such a good job of keeping this pool clean. So, um, and with the babies, we had parents had to come with, yeah. um, and it wasn't until they were two or three that they could, that parents could send them for just lessons by themselves. Mm-hmm. Um, which makes sense to me. Yeah, definitely. Um, because that, I think at that age, it's definitely more about learning to swim and like the survival aspect of it. Um, which I mean, I start to do that personally. Like I'll start to do that with my current twins who, which they were super teeny last year, but they're going to be two, um, coming up soon. And, So I'm going to start doing that a little bit with them this summer, mostly because we didn't do it a lot last year and I don't want to traumatize them. They love the water, but I don't know how they'll feel about me me chucking them in there. (laughs) Um, But I, um, but I do think like by the age of, I mean, definitely by four or five, which is hard because they're still so little at that point, but I mean, they, they should be able to float at least if they were to fall in water at that point, I mean, they don't need to be swimming, you know, the U S swimming organization, legal strokes, whatever, but some sort of breaststroke frog kick, um, is my preferred one. Like I just, I really, and the doggy paddle. Um, and, um, you know, and, and a lot of that I feel like has to do with the flotation devices that people use in the pools to, quote, help their kids, but they're not really helping them. Yeah. Um, So, you know, like water wings are my least favorite thing ever because they can fall off or deflate and they don't strengthen their arms and, you know, that kind of stuff. So, I mean, if the kid is 
five, you know, I mean, we're not doing any sort of water wings. So. Right. Right. Yeah. I, I also am not a fan of water wings. Um, and yeah, that transitions us nicely into like, what are those really basic skills in a pool? Um, and we've talked about floating several times, which is, um, great. And it is like, in my opinion, the most important thing Mm -hmm. to teach a child, which is uh, we call at goldfish, we call them otter floats of like on your back, being able to float on your back, looking up at the sky or the ceiling. Um, and being able to do that for a full minute, um, Mm -hmm. was like the benchmark for us of, can you stay on your back floating for a full minute? Yeah. Um, I mean, I think, I think that, and then, um, you know, if they can do that and they're ready to move to the next, you know, step kind of thing or whatever, if they can, uh, kick or pull themselves to the side of the pool, if there's stairs or a ladder or, you know, just hang on to the edge and keep their head above water and call somebody to help them, you yeah. know, type, I mean, if they can get to the edge or something, you know, because I mean? you don't want them to kick to a float that they'll fall off to off of again. Right. So kicking the stairs, kicking to a ladder, kicking to the wall, trying to move themselves over there. Yeah. Um, and if they can get to a wall, I often with my kiddos will um, make sure like once they know how to float, um, we also make sure that we talk about getting out of the pool without a ladder. So mm-hmm. we do elbow, elbow, tummy, knee, the knee. Mm-hmm. um, to get out and like we I drill it (laughs) like I'm like elbow elbow tummy knees show me show me that you can get out and we also um I'll do um like safety tests or like safety challenges I call them safety challenges where we'll like take off goggles and I'm like Mm -hmm. sometimes when you if you fall into a pool you're probably not going to be wearing your goggles because you weren't expecting to fall in you're not going to be wearing them or if you jump in and then they fill with water and then you can't yeah. see, you know, I mean, yeah, anything. So yeah, we take off their goggles and then, um, they either jump in or I ask if they like want me to like pick them up. I'm in the pool when I do this. So they're sitting on the edge. I ask them if they want me to pick them up or if they want to jump in and then, um, they show me that they can float. They, they do their otter float and then they get up. Uh, look for the closest edge, go to that edge and elbow, elbow, tummy, knee to get back out again. It's like elbow, elbow, tummy, knee. I like that. Yeah. Um, and it's, yeah, it's super helpful and it makes me feel better. Um, and then I think the next like advanced step is being able to get from face down to that otter float. So that's Uh where I go next of like, if I'm swimming face down, looking at the bottom of the pool, seeing what treasure is down there, can I then, if I get into trouble, roll over, get to my otter float, take some breaths, recollect myself, and then get to the edge is always my what I like talk them through. Um, because sometimes the ladder is really far away, like the closest wall is really far away from the ladder especially if you're in a public pool you know in the normal summer months you know and you go to your pool and 
yeah, I mean, the, they're 25 meters normally, or some have 50 meter areas for, for swim teams and things. And so, yeah, I mean, who knows where it is by the time they get to a point or they get a cramp or they get tired and they're out of breath. You know, I mean, even if you, you know, we teach them to roll over and, you know, take a couple like good long breaths and then keep going. Right. You know, like take that break. Don't like get so tired that you can't go anymore. Yeah. Yeah. And I also, um, I also do teach kids how to tread water. Um, which for my synchronized swimming days, it's pretty fun. Cause we yeah. did that egg beater, um, where your legs are going like an egg beater. So like oscillate or like, uh, rotate one than the other. Legs. Yeah. One than the other, instead of like the frog kick together. And, um, and it's, it's fun to teach them and then like, like, uh, and then time them. Like how long can you, how long they can tread. Yeah. yeah. Which is also a great way to get their energy out. <laughs> Cause it's exhausting to tread water. Yeah, it definitely, that used to be one of like the, um, cross training things for swim team, I guess treading water in the, in the deep end, the diving well. Yeah. Um, but I think I'm gonna, I did that. I raced my one boy last summer a lot. And, uh, but I think that's, that's a good idea. I might try that this summer and just have him do that. And then, you know, then they can have quiet reading time. Yes. yes. Recover from, from all their energy that they got out in the pool, which, yeah, it is, um, all, all this to say that water can be very dangerous, but it also is so joyful. Like I, I feel so free in the water, um, in a way that I don't on land. And it's, um, and I think, you know, as long as, as we're safe and respect the water that it really can be one of the most fun places to be. I actually went swimming laps for the first time at my gym before it closed right. <laughs> um, in, woo, I don't know, five years or something like that. And it was so glorious, but I was so, I was so tired and so sore. I slept like a baby that night or not yeah. like a baby. Babies don't sleep, but right. you know. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yes. I, before all this, um, I had, I, my gem, I made sure that I joined one that had a pool, but I'm also in school right now. So I was using, I was rotating between my gym's pool and my school pool. Oh, nice. Which okay. is great. Cause the school pool is much bigger than my gym pool, but, um, but it has wonky hours. So it's a mm. trade off. Um, but yeah. So, um, do you have any resources for families and nannies that are about water safety? Um, well, definitely there's a website, Water Safety USA, that I found that is, um, all things water safety, as you <laughs> could imagine by the name. Um, but that, and then the, um, I think it's the American Red Cross that has the lifeguard training yeah. um, class. And so, I mean, I think there's some free information on that, but I mean, if, if a parent has a teenager or, you know, a college kid, I mean, that is like the best summer job if, yes. if, um, 
you know, you need an activity for your teenagers at home. Um, yeah. But- and I also think it's a good place to look. Like if, if you are a nanny that is not super comfortable around water and you're nannying for a family that has a pool or loves the water. I think they also have like water safety trainings. I think they do too. Um, and you know what? I don't know where I have that written down, but I had a list of actually nanny certifications that I was looking at and, um, uh, maybe we could edit it in later, (laughs) but, um, it's, it was something about water safety, uh, training and, um, you know, just kind of like to have in the, in the resume or the portfolio. Um, but then another thing is like for people to have information and to know, I mean, if you're a parent regardless or a nanny or are around children or whatever, even if it's not water related and it's food related or something, you know, you need to learn CPR. Right. And first aid and like that kind of stuff. So getting certified in that, especially right before the water months where it could be an issue or could be used, mm-hmm. um, that's super important. So, yes. you know, American Cross does that. Um, you know, and like the, and the swimming lessons, you mentioned goldfish. Um, I know there's a lot of local city pools that do it. Hopefully they're still going to be able to do it this summer. Um, YMCA's, the JCC. Um, the YMCA was where I was a synchronized swimmer. Okay. Um, yeah. 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 Looking around your community. Um, I, I cannot speak for all swim schools, but I will say the goldfish that I worked for here in Chicago. Um, and, and they're pretty well like organized. So they're each one does the same stuff. You know what I mean? Like they're, mm-hmm they're identical requirements kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah. They have corporate requirements. And, and so if you do have a goldfish in your community and you want your kid to be, um, really comfortable in the water, I I do recommend them. They're, Mm. they're good at teaching kids how to swim. Yeah. Um, and they Um, do it in a fun way. What'd you say? They do it in a fun way. Okay. Yeah. Um, which, which like we've said this entire time is one of the most important things, you know, fun, but, but caution. And, and one of the things that I really like for teaching kids to swim, um, I didn't do the swim lessons when I was a lifeguard because I was coaching swimming and I just had too much on my plate at that point. Um, but they, the pool that I worked at, they used, um, this back floaty swim trainer. Mm. Um, so, so, you know, we talked about water wings. Those aren't good because they give the false security. They don't strengthen their arms. They could fall off or deflate or, you know, anything. Yeah. Um, the, the swimsuits that have the tubies around the middle, um, that are supposed to be secured, you know, I mean, your kid could flip over and then their feet are in the air. Um, you know, and all of this is, of course, you're supposed to still be within arm's reach, but both of those are just not my favorite things. Right. Um, but the back float, um, is, and I know that there's quite a few brands that make them. I think they sell one at target. Um, but basically it's like a belt that goes around their midsection, like right around their chest. And on the back, there's like four, um, floaty pads, I guess. And like they stack together to make a backpack. So, um, so when they're swimming, they're, 
upper back, I guess, is in the water, but they're still using their legs and arms to swim, like to build strength. And, um, you know, of course you're right there, but, um, you know, they're strengthening their arms and legs and learning to swim. And then as they get stronger, you can remove a pad. And there were actually kids at my lifeguard pool, the pool I lifeguarded at, um, that would just wear the belt, which Mm. didn't do anything, but it gave them security, you know, um, and they were great swimmers and everything, but that was really useful that I saw and that I've used, um, with a couple of my kids, um, for learning to swim. I've never heard of that. Thank you for sharing that. That's great. Um, cause yeah, I also am not a fan of the arm floaties, but I, I've never had something to recommend because I do understand that parents are like, well, okay, but, <laughs> um, but I, I want something on them. Yeah. Any other, any other resources? Um, that was a good list. I learned. I love yeah. what I learned. That's all I got really, but yeah, that's uh, beautiful. Yeah. So I think just in general, the takeaways are water is to be respected, but it can be so much fun. Um, And also, you know, as a nanny, if you are not comfortable around water, that you are not powerless in that. Um, There are things that you can do um, to help become more comfortable um, around water. And if you are a nanny that's really comfortable around water, like, Use that on your resume. Agreed. There's also something else that I want to throw in real quick. Yeah. Um, it's in one of my notes because I, I took some notes before this just to make sure I hit everything that I wanted to say. Yeah. I don't actually know if I came up with this or if I read it somewhere, but swim lessons don't make kids drown proof. Yes. Is one of the huge things that I've thought about, I guess. And, you know, just kind of want to emphasize, like, I mean, even the most competent swimmers, you know, can go down sometimes adults or teenagers or eight-year-olds that, you know, are, are swimming butterfly across the pool. I mean, they could still get a cramp or get tired or whatever and need help out of the pool. So you always, 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 you know, have a buddy, at least like an adult needs a buddy too. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. But, um, uh, yeah. And on that same kind of note, um, I do want to dispel the myth of like the 30 minutes after eating thing. It's actually more dangerous to swim hungry than it uh-huh. is to swim with a full stomach. So just mm-hmm. keeping that in mind, because that like myth, I think, has gotten a little bit blown out of proportion. And sometimes people will go into the water very hungry. And that's actually a lot more dangerous if your body doesn't have the energy to swim than the risk. Because probably what's going to happen if you're too full is that you'll puke. And that's gross, but it's not, <laughs> it's not drowning. Right. Whereas if you don't have the energy um, or the vitamins that your body needs, that's when cramps happen. Also, I want to say one more thing. Yeah. yeah. Um, with summer comes boating mm. and people on boats and, you know, they're fun to jump off of and swim and everything too. And if you're anchored and you're in the water with your kids or, 
you know, strong swimmers are not, you know, wearing their life jackets, however they're doing it. Whenever the boat is moving, make sure your children have their life jackets on them. There's nothing that I like cringe at more because I grew up on a boat with my parents and, um, you know, so, I mean, I've, I've literally been along around water my entire life and having a life jacket on those kids, you know, in a kayak, in a canoe, in a motorboat, sailboat, going, you know, like literally anything, make sure they have one on, you know, I mean, that's not a teaching tool for swimming, but it's a good floating tool if you fall out. So. Yeah. Yeah. And I, that's a good point to say that this episode is not exhaustive. Like we did not really talk about oceans or lakes or boating or anything like that. Um, That was was under my swim floaty notes. Yeah. Yeah. But that's a really good point of, um, yeah, if you're on a boat, you need a, if you need a life jacket, like mm-hmm. everyone should be wearing one, but especially the kids have to be wearing one. And I know it's potentially annoying for them. Like right. life jackets aren't the most comfortable things, but. Even if the eight year old is a good swimmer, they need a life jacket. Yes. Yes. They really do. Um, and boating is just so Boating is a whole Topic. Yeah. yeah, it's because there's a lot of alcohol involved usually yeah. in boating. So like that's a whole other topic. Um and and nannies are less likely a lot of times to be involved on the boat, but if you are, then you know, do your due diligence, like study up on on boating safety. Um, well, I know there's a I know there's a a lake pretty close to here um in Indiana and some some people have boats on there and stuff. And I know that there's some, some bigger houses that have nannies and things. So yeah, just throw it out there. It's good. It's a good thing to throw out there. Cause yeah. And, and I do also want to say, yes, this was not exhaustive. So, yeah. and also like this podcast should not be your only, like your only right. resource for Go water safety. Website, get CPR certified, like become, you know, a water safety instructor if you have time to take a class or something, you know, yeah. Yeah. There's, there's a lot of resources. This is a jumping off point um, Mm -hmm. into the wonderful world of water. (laughs) So, yeah. So um, is there anything else? No, I think, I think that's, that's all I have written down here. (laughs) Great. That's beautiful. Um, Well, we end each episode with a, a fun, cute story. And I actually brought one about myself as a child. So um, so when I was, I think, three, maybe four, um, I used the floaties. My parents definitely used the floaties. and um, But in the pool that I would swim in, the rule was you were not allowed to go into the deep end um with floaties on so like you had to stay in the shallow end so and my best friend growing up was named christopher so my mom dropped me off at christopher's and his mom took us to the pool which had a lifeguard and everything so um but christopher basically said i i don't need floaties i'm going in the deep end if you want to hang out with me you have to come into the deep end you have to give up your floaties um and that (laughs) social pressure (laughs) worked. And my mom like picked me up from the pool and she was like, you were a totally different kid, like in the water. 
because I had just gotten rid of the floaties and like went over into the deep end and Christopher showed me how to swim. And uh, I mean, I had already like, I'd been taking lessons and I had been working on it, but, um, but that was like the little push that I needed to get rid of my floaties. And I've never looked back because from then on, I, I've always loved the water. Um, so yeah, it was, it was, that was how I learned. Wow. That's, swim. that's pretty good. Yeah. That's, that's pretty bold also. <laughs> I know my friend Christopher was just like, I want to play in the deep end. So bye. And I was like, Oh, I do too. <laughs> and so that, that actually, I mean, I'm glad that worked out, but that does seem to be a lot of problem with kids though, who are a couple years apart mm-hmm. siblings and things. Yeah. Um, you know, so just got to watch out for that, I guess. Yeah. But I'm glad your story ended up, uh, ended yeah. up <laughs> my story. I was blissful as a three or four year old right, to, right. to the potential danger that I was getting, but there were also lots of adults around and several lifeguards. Right. So we were, we were safe, but, um, but yeah, it was, it was funny. Cause he was just like, Nope, I'm not, I'm not playing in the shallow end. I'm a deep end <laughs> pool kid now. I, um, I remember, I mean, I don't really have nothing specific about, about my nanny kids. I mean, swimming with them has been, has always been a lot of fun. Um, I've been very blessed to like go on trips with the families and there's either been a body of water nearby or a pool at the house that we stayed at. And so, you know, we've always had a lot of fun doing that, but, um, but there's, there's this one story actually from my lifeguard years, um, which is kind of fun thinking about because I haven't thought about it in, Mm -hmm. I don't know, 10 years, at least 15 years. Um, but anyways, there was this one little girl and you had to do the, um, well, you had to do the deep water test, um, Mm -hmm. to go off the diving board or the drop slide. It was called, it was like the cutoff and then you fall in the water and, um, it created a whirlpool, a swell of water, you know, um, was difficult to swim through if you were not a good swimmer. Right. So the deep water test, the kids had to swim literally under the water, shooting down at them and to the other side. I mean, it was maybe 15 meters. Um, but anyways, there was this one little girl and she was, she was about six and she had older siblings. Mm -hmm. Um, which is why like this made me think of it. Um, they were like eight and 10. And they were there every day. They were there with their, um, their summer camp. And then the mom would come like later afterwards again. So they were always there like twice a day and they could do the swim test during lifeguard break or swim break, you know, adult swim. And anyways, I mean, she tried, I mean, if not every day, like every other day to do this swim (laughs) test all summer long and everybody always had to go in to get her. It was almost just like a given, like the lifeguards, whoever was on duty at that time at that rotation spot, just, you know, got in, you know, kind of ready for it. But, um, but she was doing swim lessons and she just kept practicing. She just couldn't get through the whirlpool. Anyways, it was literally Labor Day weekend, like pool closing weekend. And she made it. And like the head lifeguard went on the speaker, um, you know, was like, congratulations to so-and-so like, <laughs> It was like the most <laughs> exciting thing because like everybody's screaming and like nobody knows like the regular patrons don't know why. Right. <laughs> and, um, but yeah, so that was Aww. just really, like 
warm feeling, you know, proud, successful moment, you know, it took her all summer, but, but she did it and she was able to go off the diving board and do all that like her siblings were. So, uh, and I love that she stuck with it. Like, what? Oh my God. What a, it's not even like, it, like, not even like she did it a couple times through the summer. Like it was literally every other day or yeah. you know, something like that. Yeah. <laughs> not every swim break, but when she was there, she was doing it. Yeah. <laughs> Amazing. That, I love that story so much. And I'm sure she felt so good. Like everyone's celebrating for her. And yeah, it was, it was exciting. And then next summer, I should, I'm sure she was like, well, now. Oh, of course. Of course. <laughs> I'm queen of this pool. Right. <laughs> yeah, that's awesome. Thank you for sharing that story. I love that. Um, and thank you so much for taking time to do this. Yeah, thank you, Martha. This was a lot of fun. I, uh, I really enjoyed talking to you about this. You know, like I said, some of the stuff I haven't thought about in a while. I mean, I guess maybe because to me it seems second nature. Right. Or, or, you know, whatever. But I mean, you know, there's a lot of information or resources or things that people might not necessarily think about or know. So just sharing the knowledge. <laughs> yeah, I love it. I love it. Um, yeah. Thank you, Carrie. I really appreciate it. And uh, thank you all for listening. We'll see you in a couple weeks. The Chronicles of Nannia is produced and hosted by Martha Reddick. Artwork by Noni Amadon. Theme music by Brad Kemp. Find him at secondbedroomstudio.com. Follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Chronicles of Nania and on Twitter at Nania Podcast. To contact us, email chroniclesofnania at gmail.com. Thanks for listening. This show has been brought to you by Machine Culture. the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at bowlandbranch.com. Code BUTTER Exclusions apply. See site for details.